Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Well, good morning. Morning, everyone. So good to be back with you. I think since the last time that I was with you, uh, not that you would know this to be true in looking at my youthful appearance, but yet at the same time, I am now a granddad. I am a granddad. Isn't that crazy? Hey, um, as we get started, I just want to make mention of this and just say what a fantastic invitational opportunity we all have to invite people to experience the hope of Jesus this Easter. And so I want to strongly jump on back of this, what Angie just said, and say, Invite people to experience the resurrection hope that indeed the cross does equal love and the love changed the world and for the love of God, Jesus came and brought a change in all of our lives. Well, anyway, as was mentioned, we are closing out the Red Letter Living series. It's a series that you started around four weeks ago. Angie kicked it off with a message on being. I've watched all of the messages, fantastic messages, Steve and Mark and Josh last week, and we're closing it out today with a message entitled Going, Going. And here's where we're gonna be going. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Mark's Evangelion, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. We're going to go ahead and read through a series of verses in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 14. And we're going to go through there, three points then we're going to identify from that biblical passage. And then we're going to leave it with a commissioning moment where we're all going to be commissioned into a time of going and making a difference in our lives. And what I love about speaking here at C3, as I mentioned, it feels like family. But also what I love about it is that even so far in our time together this morning, things that Angie has said, things that Steve have said, are both in this message today. So I love the way that the Holy Spirit works all these things together. But let's jump in. We're in verse 14 in chapter 1, Mark's Gospel. Jesus came into the region of the Galilee. He was proclaiming the gospel of God and he was saying here, quote, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So three things, repent, believe in the power of the gospel. So Jesus is the apex of God's restorative mission. God has always had this plan to bring about restoration in the world and Jesus is the apex of that restorative mandate, that restorative mission. Well, so much so it's in Jesus that this great door of opportunity and redemption swings open and we're invited to play a part. Verse 16, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, verse 17, follow me, and I will make you become a fisher of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Perhaps the two most important words in all of the gospel right there, follow me. The gospel is this radical yet also personal invitation to immerse our lives into community and say yes to the calling of mission. It is not this peripheral understanding, it is this real radical engagement. And this whole series has been this radical call to be discipled. Verse 19, and going on a little further. He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called to them too. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they too followed Jesus. And here it is, verse 21. Together. Together they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue, and the ministry of God began. You can look through then the next series of verses, see verses 21 and 22, Jesus is speaking with authority, verse 23 through verse 26, he is casting out the demons from the afflicted, and then look at the result, verse 27, all were amazed 
They were amazed. Why? Because he was speaking with authority. They were amazed because he was casting freedom over those that were afflicted. They were all amazed. And at once the fame of God spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Verse 38, skip down to our last verse, the springboard verse into our passage, into our message. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns. I want you to remember the word next. I want you to dwell upon that. I want you to think about the significance and the implications of next, something next, something in addition to. He says, let us go on to the next town so that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Our first verse here earlier, a few moments ago, was verse 14, which spoke about the kingdom of God had come. The kingdom of God was at hand. Well, surely through proclamation and demonstration, through preaching and doing, the kingdom of God was at hand. Well, here's the reason we need to look at this passage today. Here's why. As we close out this essential series, Red Letter Living, as we close out this series, it is essential that we understand here the template of doing ministry. Right here, Jesus gives to us the template of local church, the template of ministry, the template of discipleship, and that is this, that we are to go to the next towns. We are to make a difference and we have to have in our lives this sense of going, going, not just being, not just doing, not just serving, not just, but going. Why? Because there are always more people that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. We need to go and make a difference. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. And I hope you know this to be true. And I believe this to be true for so many of us in the room right now. This, what we have right now, this fantastic environment that we call this church is not for us. It's for others. It's for us and it's for others. It is for us to make a kingdom missional impact. The church is not a social club that we join. Let me say that to you again. The church is not a social club that we join. It is a spiritual calling that we receive. The church is a spiritual calling to where the ultimate calling of our lives is not to cordially or politely believe in the mission of Jesus, but to be radically caught up in the following of Jesus, to where we go and do what it is that he says that we are to do, not just spout off this recollection of belief that he once told us. We're to go and live this kingdom mission. And that's what I've loved so much about this series. Christopher Wright, who incidentally got his PhD from Cambridge, he writes this. Jesus did not give a mission to his church. He formed a church for his mission. George Alden Ladd once said it this way. Forcefully, he writes, the church is the primary agency of the kingdom of God. So hence why this series has been so important. It has returned us to the Bible. I'll tell you, one of the great concerns as being a pastor over the last few years is seeing the degree of discipleship in the state of the local church not being what pastors thought that it was. And people's responses being rooted in opinion, not doctrine. And their response being rooted in their rights, not what is right. And it's been so unsettling. It's been so concerning. Well, this series has returned us to the central mission of who we are, whose we are, and what it is that we are to be all about. And I trust that you recognize that now is the urgency and now is an urgent time for us to realize the mission of God. Wars and rumors of wars and division and desperation and narcissism and deception and all of these things going on. And it's not just global governments. It's not just intertwined in a national economies, it's also in our families. 
There is a degree of division and there is a tension and there is a problem. I wouldn't want us to think that we are here right now and we shut these doors and we do our holy thing and we go out into a broken world. We do this holy thing to go out into a broken world so that we can be a vessel of hope in a broken environment. That is what we do. We're not here to be gathered to where we can sail away into our own degree of seclusion. We are here to be commissioned into our own calling of mission. And it's very different. And yes, we should love this environment, but yes, we should go from this environment and take what God has put into our lives here to change forth lives elsewhere. We can't just quietly pray. We can't just secretly or silently judge our way out of this world. Jesus said, go. In fact, he said, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey, teaching them to have their lives surrendered and ultimately given to the mission of God. Jesus says it this way. He says, as the Father has sent me, John 20, 21, I also send you. So we are called to step into this cultural moment in two ways. Now, I'd love for you to write this down. We are to step into this cultural moment with gospel clarity and relational humility. Let me say it to you again. Gospel clarity, meaning we know what the gospel says and we stand on the gospel, but also a sense of relational humility that we want to listen to people's stories. I can't tell you how many times I meet people that they are so sure in the gospel, but they're so arrogant that the gospel loses its power because the vessel, the best vessel to ever hear the gospel is a humble one. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He welcomes the humble. He welcomes that relational humility. So yes, we're to go with a gospel clarity, but we're to go with a relational humility. In the words of Isaiah, Isaiah 6 verse 8, he says, here I am, say it with me, send me, send me. So I want us to look at three points that I think really do undergird this commissioning to say, here I am, send me. And forgive the alliteration, they all begin with the letter E because the Holy Spirit works through alliteration. Am I right? All right, here the first one. Point number one, we examine our lives. We examine our lives. Coming out of COVID, now more than ever, we have to ask and answer the question of what is it that I really live for? What is it I'm really living for? What is the ultimate reason for my existence? You know, it's a tragic misunderstanding here in the church in the West, that we believe that we can receive the gospel and by receiving the gospel, we are relieved of the the responsibility of the care of the world. Now, let me say that to you again. It's a tragic misunderstanding of the gospel here in the West that we believe that the gospel comes to free us from our captivity and therefore relieve us from the responsibility of the state of the world. The two go together. Remember this phrase, you're not only saved from something, you're saved for something. You're not only saved from your pain and your brokenness and your suffering and your story and your testimony, you're saved for a testimony of grace. You're saved for a missional work of God. And because of that, I think we have to ask and answer the question of what is it that we are really living for? Because the enemy wants to take our lives away from the kingdom of God and see us caught up in the kingdom of comforts. You know, I did some research on how many hours does the average English person watch television per day? What do you think it is? One hour, two hour, three hour, four hour. It's three and a half hours a day. English people sit behind the tube and watch the television or scroll through online videos. 
I'm quite sure that my dad added to the average on the online video part. But with all that being said, I think we've got to identify what is it about our lives to where we have become so passively indifferent, so casually occupied through entertainment, that we've actually lost sight of the missional mandate. And I find it quite stunning, actually, that through COVID, we have seen now a rise of criticism of people finding themselves so brave sitting behind the keyboards as a 33-year-old person still sitting in their parents' house. And they're just quietly lobbing grenades at the world. And yet, unfortunately, even among the Christian community, we can entertain ourselves to death that we lose sight of our ultimate mission. So ask yourself right now, what is it that you are really living for? Are you really living for the kingdom of God? And I would say it this way to you, don't waste your life. Don't waste your one life. Whether you're young or whether you're not quite as young as you were, no matter whether you're in your teens or your 20s, no matter if you're in your 60s, your 70s, or your 80s, or your 90s, while you're living, there is still a missional calling on your life. And don't waste that one life. And you know what? Let me let you into a little secret. Your heart was made for this. Your heart was made for this. It could be your first time here today, but your heart was made for the habitat of the kingdom of God. And your heart is never happier than when it's found its habitat in the kingdom of God. When you see that God is doing something through your life and you recognize I'm not just saved from something, I'm saved for something, and all of a sudden you figure it out, I wanna make a difference in my life. So number one, examine your life. Number two, Number two, we embrace this mission. From the earliest moments of creation, right up until the curtain raising of the new creation, God has always called his people to contribute. God has always called his people to contribute. And in fact, it's the mission of God. Now track with me because I'm gonna connect scripture. The scattering of the nations is Genesis 12. The healing of the nations is Revelation 22. It's the mission of God that connects the scattering to the gathering. It's the mission of God that pulls together the two bookends of Scripture, Genesis 12, Revelation 22. It's the mission of God that pulls it together. This is the mission for our lives to go. And God has always called us as his people to contribute, find lanes of engagement and to contribute. The Jewish people have a phrase for this. It's called tikkun alam. You learned something today, tikkun alam. My wife is learning conversational Hebrew. And every time I say tikkun alam, she's like, no, babe, you're not saying it the correct way. So forgive me if you're fluent in Hebrew, um, but tikkun alam, and what it means is to bring God's justice and mercy into the world. We sang a song in worship a short while ago about bringing mercy and love into the world. The Jews have the term, and it's called tikkun alam, and it comes from Leviticus 19 in the Torah, where he says to his people, love your neighbor, till the soil, care about restoration, care about relationship, tikkun alam. That is the mission of God. Yes, we are to pronounce the kingdom of God, but we are to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And there is this calling in our lives to be missional people. Jesus says it this way, by this, John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are truly my disciples. Exodus 19, 1 Peter 2, 9, it speaks about this calling to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation. 
And if you know the Old Testament, you know the New Testament, you'll know that the Old Testament speaks about this calling upon the nation of Israel, Exodus 19, to be a priesthood, to be a priesthood to the nations, to be a holy place, to create a holy place. Well, we are now the church. We have not replaced Israel, but we are now everything that Israel should have been, but yet failed to be. We are now that royal priesthood, that holy nation, 1 Peter 2, 9, to demonstrate, tikkun alam, say it with me, tikkun alam, you say it better than I do, tikkun alam. We are to demonstrate restoration into the world. So hear this. Yes, we are to extend the invitation to salvation, but we are also entrusted with the mandate of restoration. Remember that. When we go about life, we are to extend the invitation to salvation because ultimately Jesus wants to see souls saved. We are to populate heaven. But we're not to live with such a future perspective that we care not for this world saying, well, it's all going to burn one day anyway. Let's just get out of here. We are to bring a work of restoration here while we extend the invitation to salvation. We're entrusted with the mandate of restoration. Tikkun Alam. We are to go. So as you go, it's not just about talking. It's about doing. It's about being and doing. So we examine our lives Number two, we embrace this mission. And again, as I mentioned, forgive the alliteration, but point three, we embody his presence. We embody his presence. As the people of God, we are called to incarnation, not separation. And we are called to investment, not resentment. We are called to incarnate the life of Christ. Incarnation, it's a challenging word, but it really means to take upon yourself the flesh of Jesus Christ. Incarnate, think of carne asada, spicy red meat. Incarnate, we are incarnating the life of Jesus Christ in this world. Well, we are called to incarnation, not separation. But can I tell you how many times I've met believers that they now have received Jesus, but now they're trying to hide themselves away and seclude themselves and just get out of this world. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You are the ones embodied with the presence of God to go out into the world and to make a difference. And we are to make that difference. We're the carriers of the presence of God. Now, let me explain what that means. Where you go, this sounds like an arrogant statement, but trust me, it's not. Where you go, so God goes. Where you go, so God goes. It's not an arrogant statement. It's a scriptural statement. Romans 8, 11. For the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives where? In you, in us. So where we go, so God aligns himself. So can God move without us? Absolutely. God can do, as Angie said, with the click of his fingers, metaphorically speaking so, God can do whatever he wants. But I love what St. Augustine says. He says it this way. Love the way he phrases this. He says, without God, we cannot, but without us, he will not. He said it to you again. Without God, we cannot, but without us, God will not. And throughout Scripture, throughout all of Scripture, God's chosen method of building movements and transforming communities has always been through faithful people. Let me say it to you again. God can do whatever he wants. But God's plan has always been transforming communities, bringing about spiritual movements through holy people. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now hear this next part. God makes his appeal through us. So I wanna leave you with this thought. What could we do if we had the mentality where we go so God goes? 
What could we do if we had the mentality, when I'm on that job site, God's on that job site. What could we do if we had the mentality that when I serve at the grocery shop, when I serve at the grocery shop, God is that that Sainsbury's. I tell you, we could change the world. It's time that we go on a missional, spiritual offensive to bring to bear the beauty and the love and the restoration of God in a world that is hurting. So yes, we hear wars and rumors of wars. And yes, we see division and we experience divorce. And yes, we experience brokenness and pain in our lives. But I want to impart to you today, in this threshold moment, this vision for salvation and this vision for restoration, that you will go that you will go. It's time to press in. It's time to press on. God has always caused it to be to where we become the ones that the healers become the storytellers. The healed become the healers. The hope filled become the hope givers. That we make a difference. The revival of the church, and I believe that God has spoken the word revival into your church for this year, and the revival of the church always precedes the awakening of a city. We say it to you again, the revival of the church always precedes the awakening of the city. We want an awakening in Cambridge. We want an awakening in Norfolk. We want an awakening in Suffolk. We want an awakening in Essex. We want to hit Barrie. We want to hit Colchester. We want to hit the next towns. The awakening in the city always begins with the revival in the church. So Isaiah 6, 8, here I am, send me. Examine your life. What are you really living for? Turn the television off. Do yourself a favor and do your family a favor and turn off your social media account for a month. Take a time to pray. Prayer walk. When you're prompted to criticize, when you're prompted to say something that you want to take back, rather than saying something that you have to take back, pray something and cause the enemy to take it back. Step into that space. Step into that moment and bring about the kingdom of God. Let me pray. Will you stand with me? I wanna pray a commissioning prayer over each and every one of us. And I wanna say this over you, C3. Never lose the pioneering spirit to do something bold for God. Never lose the pioneering spirit. Never lose that impassioned plea within your own life to say, God, here I am, send me. So if right now, as we close out this five-part series, the Red Letter Living series, and you would say, it began four weeks ago being. It's gonna end today with the going. There will be a responsibility to your commitment to say, here I am, Lord, send me. But if you would say, yes, I wanna pray that today, would you raise your hands right now before the Lord? Father, we pray right now, your kingdom come. Lord, we pray right now that you would send us. We pray right now that you would move in this moment with the sound of music filling this room, with the comfort of your Holy Spirit filling our hearts. We realise what the Scripture says, that we're ambassadors. You make your appeal through us toward humanity. So Father, help us as we talk so much through this series about being. We wanna be. Forgiving, we want to forgive. Serving, we want to lay down our lives. You came to serve. And giving, we want to give to this vision offering. We want to give to the work of the kingdom of God in this region. And going, here 
we are. Send us, send us. I want you just to quietly speak unto you. Just quietly speak out now. If you have a prayer language, just start praying. Start praying for that person that God's laying upon your heart right now. This has always been about people. It will always be about people. It's not a process or a project. People have value. Pray for that person right now. Hola, Jesus, we pray right now you'd stir our faith, stir our hearts as we, as we sing, as we, as we go. God, as we serve, as we give. God, I pray, use us. Show us, God, who it is even this week that we might give our lives to in a fresh and new way. And ultimately, as the prophet Isaiah says, here I am, let's say it together, send me. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.